Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, My Quiet Friend. Things had been rather peaceful around the cafe for the past few days, and I was facing the prospect of another dull evening when the door to my office opened and two well-dressed guys eased in. Both of them were tall and on the rugged side. They were dressed in identical tan gabardine suits and white Panama hats. There was only one difference in their attire. One of them wore a bow tie, the other a foreign hand tied correctly with a Windsor knot, nestling perfectly in the center of the spread collar of his soft white shirt. He was the one who broke the silence. You're Jordan, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not in the market for entertainers, especially a brother act. You're wrong on both counts, wise guy. We just dropped in to sell you something. Sorry, I got all the shoelaces I can use. Pretty funny guy, ain't he, Maxie? Yeah. Your friend's not much of a talker, is he? Only when he has something important to say. My name's Moran. Leo Moran. Jordan, my uh, quiet friend here is Maxie Schultz. Maxie Schultz? Sounds familiar. You two boys from New York? Yeah, but we're operating a little real estate service in Cairo now. Personalized service. Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. On a clear day, you can hear the screams a mile away. Well, that makes it easy, then. It depends on what you mean by easy. We have a client who's interested in your place. It's not for sale. We thought you'd say that, so we figured we could sell you on the idea of changing your mind. How about that, Maxie? Yeah... I thought you only spoke when you had something important to say, Maxie. Better take it on the slow bell, Speedy. I do other things. Yeah, I'll bet. Where do you keep your ventriloquist? Jordan, for your information, you're bandying words with Maxie the mechanic. Expert in death traps. And your customers never complain, do they, Maxie? They ain't ever in shape to complain. Now, about this client of ours, Jordan. You're wasting your time, boys. Beat it. The joint's not for sale. Our client will give you 500 bucks cash for your cafe. Five... 500 bucks, huh? That wouldn't buy the furniture in this office. You hear that, Maxie? Yeah. Yeah, shame he feels that way, ain't it? Now, take this little private bar of yours here, Jordan. I don't think it's worth much. And these drapes aren't bad, but they don't go well with the rest of the stuff. You like this mirror over here, Maxie? Uh-uh. Why, you dirty... I want you, Speedy. Nah, I sit still like a good little boy. 
Maybe you shouldn't have hit Mr. Jordan so hard with that sap, Maxie. You might mess up that pretty face. Oh, yeah, that'd be a shame. Come on, Maxie. We'll see you later, Jordan. Maybe you'll have changed your mind by then. I shook my head a few times, but the haze wouldn't clear, and the range was off. A tap on the side of the head hadn't helped my eyesight any. I remember seeing the Gabardine boys leave. It was like looking through the wrong end of a pair of field glasses. Then the room started spinning and the lights went out. When I came out of it, the phone was ringing. Hello? Hello? Uh, yeah, who is it? Roland, it's Charlie LeBouc. LeBouc? What do you want? Look, Jordan, I think it's about time the two of us forget our little differences and have a nice friendly talk, huh? I was walking along. I stopped to light my pipe. It was in front of the bar, and I heard a tap on the window. It was Helen. She waved me in, and I... I just didn't want you to know. But you promised you wouldn't. And now look at you. George Scully. You're a murderer. I think we'd better go, Scully. Louise, you gotta help me. We'll get a lawyer. He'll tell you what to say. I won't lie, George. I just am not going to lie anymore. In May, the night sighs down on Broadway like a rosy promise. And someone smiles and takes your hand, whispers. And for an instant, the lights are brighter, the noise louder, and your scream mixes well with the scream of the night. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Lou Merrill was heard as George Scully, Jeanette Nolan as Louise Scully, and Adam Williams as Charles Crandall. Others in the cast were Peggy Weber and Joy Terry. Say there, Sing It Again's current phantom voice is really a phantom. For the past two Saturdays, she's mystified everyone Jan Murray's called in his coast-to-coast Sing It Again phone. Tonight, Jan may call you. If you can name the phantom, she's worth $3,000 in cold, hard cash. So stay tuned now for Sing It Again, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. Joe Walters speaking. This is CBS, where you laugh at Jack Benny every Sunday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world.
Broadway's My Beat, transcribed with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. The days pass quickly on Broadway now. It's November, and the time clock people go home in shadows. Even autumn is slipping away, and it's got to be done quickly now. Fast drink, fast shower, quick phone call, and out into the swarm. Out into the spilling darkness and eddies of crowd and furious street. For November night is torrents, is rockets of color, is sudden swift rush of riot. So grab a partner and hang on. A time is dying, starting tonight. Where I was, in Detective Mugovan, apartment in the West 30s, the quality was of midnight, of every light being turned on to flood it out. Midnight, and the quality of death, and the man in pajamas. I hit him over the head with this. I hit him and I killed him. And his wife, nightgown and robe. And I... You just take it easy, honey. What were you going to say, Mrs. Cordell? Nothing, that I was the one who called the police, that's all. Yes. I slugged him and she called. You? Lieutenant Clover. You know his name? He told you his name. Lieutenant. Yeah. When are you going to get that man out of here? When's the meat wagon coming? That's what you call it, isn't it, meat? Ray. Ray, stop it. Let's run it down, Mr. Cordell. Hmm? Run it down. That's what we call it when we want to find out it's what It's obvious. Happened. Run it down. Make a pot of tea, Virginia. What? Tea, coffee, something. A drink, something. Yeah, sure. Don't sure. bother, Mrs. Cordell. You just stay right there. All right. But listen, can't you get that man out of here? You know the man your husband killed this evening, Mrs. Cordell? Know it? What do you call it when they're like you, Lieutenant? A cutie or something? What? Look, Mr. Cordell, a man is slugged to death in your apartment. A man, according to identification, found on his body whose name is... Lou Martin. Yeah, that's right, Lou Martin. Well, sure it's right. The lieutenant picked up his wallet out of his coat, pulled out a card, and yelled, Lou Martin. Also that he's from Akron, according to his business cards. Okay, okay. What was he doing here? I was in the library reading a book, and I dozed off. Right, Ginny? Right. Ginny was here in the bedroom sleeping, right? That's right. And then she screamed. That man was bending over me. What would you do, Lieutenant? You're married to a woman and she screams in the middle of the night that there's a guy in her room and by golly, there is. What would you do? Just tell me what you did. I grabbed the andiron and came running. I gave him a hit. That's what I did. Yeah, you really did. Can't you get him out of here? After a while, this room will have to be photographed and then we'll have to be questioned again. Yeah, yeah, you will. Ray. It's all right, Ginny. I don't mind. I don't mind it at all. That's not what I mean. Jenny. Jenny, you're shivering. Oh, come here. Come here. Better? Sure, it's better. This is what you meant, isn't it? Sure. Sure it is. Oh, good morning, Gino. Come on in. Well, how do you feel? Well, this is a warming note if I ever heard one. Huh? Good mornings and how do you feel? Fellow to fellow. The pause in the day-to-day hurly-burly to inquire. The need to know how a friend is faring. Uh, look, th- answer the question, huh, Gino. How do you feel? Fine, thank you. And you? Uh, fine, thank you. Good. Let's get to work, shall we? I don't see why not. However, Danny, there's not a whole lot to report. Dr. Sinsky is at autopsy at the moment, and no word so far from him. However... Uh, just go on, Gino. Well, nothing except the hotel which registered Lou Martin before his death has been located due to the diligent efforts What's of... What's the name of the hotel, Gino? The Easterwood, Danny. Uptown, East 75th. Well, thank you, Gino. Of course. 
Squad car and ride uptown then. Through bright glintings of November streets, through quick fusion and drift of November color, with brown haze and yellow sunlight and gray stone and black winter's coat and poodle, snow white held against the pallor of a woman's face who waits for a traffic light to change, watches it change, shifts the poodle to warmth of the other cheek, waits again, and a gentleman tips a Homburg. Turn then into the side street of the Easterwood Hotel and park and enter the lobby, which is late autumn performance of loiterers, of November's transients, of permanent residents who sit on edge in split leather chairs and compare watches with the dubious statement of the hour as written on the face of the lobby clock. And show the badge, spell out the name of a man dead, and be told, room 3A, down that corridor where Mr. Ramsey, the manager, is, where if you have questions, Mr. Ramsey is the man. Uh, Mr. Ramsey? Yes, 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 yes. And you? Uh, police. Good, good. And you can help me. Help me with all this... With uh, what? With what? By the gathering together and putting away neatly of all these things of Mr. Lou Martin's. And these shirts and other things, they go into that suitcase over there. And these... Just let them alone, Mr. Ramsey. Let them alone? Why, well, you don't understand. It's a service I perform. For the dead? For the dead. For when things happen to one of our transients, as happened to Mr. Martin, I make a checklist against any future legal squabbles that might... Nick went out the big way. Uh, how about Nick's brother? He lives around here. Think he could have gone there? Perhaps I do not know. How much did you tell the boys who wait you over? Nothing, nothing at all. I could not tell them where Nick went because I do not know. Uh, okay. I'm going around to see Nick's brother. You better fix your face up and close up shop. Those two boys are liable to come back for more. And I don't mean cigarettes. Nick's brother lived in a narrow side street about three blocks away. When I got there, the house was dark. The only answer to my knock on the heavy door was a dog howl coming from somewhere inside. I waited for a minute and went back downstairs and started for the rear of the house. I caught a movement along the wall out of the corner of my eye, but I just kept walking. I went around the side of the house and pulled into a doorway. A few seconds later, I heard him coming along the gravel walk. When he passed me, I reached out. His gun came up, but he didn't have the chance to use it. I flipped on my cigarette light and held it to his face. It was Charlie LaBook's boy, the guy who'd taken the pot shots at me from the window. He was still red hot in the idea that I'd bumped off his boss. I packed him off to my cab, gave the driver an address, and we took off. I had to put this boy on ice before somebody got hurt. Couldn't expect my luck to hold out all night. Well, ten minutes later, I walked into Madame Farid's little establishment down on the waterfront. For a little silver across the pond, the old girl was always more than happy to kick your fortune around in a teacup or uh, even consult the crystal ball. Oh, Rocky, Rocky Jordan. It is a long time I have not seen you. Come in, come in. Hi, Grandma. Well, how's the future look? Ah, you wish to consult Madame Farid? Yeah, got a problem. There happens to be a short, dark, and ugly character following me with murder on his mind. Sure. He's got the picture all wrong, but I don't have the time to explain it to him now. He's uh, sleeping off our last engagement in my cab outside. I see. Oh, it is a problem, Rocky. Yeah, take a look at my palm, sweetheart. Oh, you'll find it just under this $10 bill. Oh, oh, yes, yes, I see. 
Well, uh, I would say there is an old woman who can help you. I can see an empty cellar, an excellent place to put this man till morning, perhaps, until you can explain his mistake. That's the best advice I've had all day. It's a deal. Now, uh, where can I find this old woman who's going to help me? Bring him in, Rocky. Bring him in. At least, with LeBook's boy out of the way, I wouldn't have to worry about his taking a pot shot at me every time I turned around. I still had to find Nick before the Gabardine boys did, and my next stop was Celeste Donati's place at the Comar Hotel Apartments in the Sharia El Moon. Even if Nick's doll wasn't around, he might be using the place as a hideout, and it was worth a try. I was just about to press the buzzer over the nameplate when the door opened suddenly. Framed there was Captain Sam Sabai at Cairo Police. Hello, George. Uh-oh. Hello, Sam. I've been looking for you. Come on in. Sure. What are you doing here, Sam, if you were looking for me? I am also looking for Nick Sparrow. Well, so is everybody else. What happened to Charlie LeBouc, Jordan? I'm not sure, Sam. I arrived a little late. Uh, I got there even later. All I found was LeBouc dead. You and Nick had already left. Why? Nick left because LeBouc's killers got too close to him. I left because one of LeBouc's boys got an idea. I'd polished off his boss. What were you doing at LeBouc's? I have heard you were not very good friends, Jordan. Oh, just small talk. Jordan, I have All no... right, all right. He called me over to team up with him against the pressure boys who were buying up a flock of joints. Or didn't you know about that? We know all about it, Jordan. Then why haven't you done something? We have nothing to go on. Absolutely nothing. The cafe owners have refused to talk. Nick changed his mind. He'll sing like a blue jay. Is that why he was at LeBouc's? Yeah. He knows who bumped off LeBouc. Do you? The Gabardine boys, Sam. It figures... The Gabardine. Leo Moran and Maxie Schultz, the super salesman. Oh, Sukameli's men. What? Frank Sukameli. He's behind this scheme, Jordan. How'd he get here? Thought after they'd booted him out of the States back to his own country. It is all very legal, Jordan. As long as he stays out of trouble, there is nothing we can do. But he'll slip up here in Cairo just as he did back in the States. He already has, Sam. I think you can make it pretty hot for Sukameli once you find Nick Spalbo. Well, Jordan, for your sake, I hope we find him. Alive. Don't you like my story, Sam? Oh, I do. But I am only a captain of police. There are others who may not like it. After all, no one else saw Moran and Schultz at LeBouc's. Which makes me number one, boy, because LeBouc and I never get along too well. Sure, sure, Sam. So instead of standing here around here yapping, why don't you go out and find Nick? I intend to. All right. Where do we go now? I'm going to drive you back to the tambourine, Jordan. The tambourine? Oh, now, wait a minute, Yes, Sam. and you're going to stay there till this thing is cleared up. Sorry, Sam, my foot's in the door. I want to... This is a matter for the police, Jordan. You'd better stay out of it for your own good. You're not doing very well so far, you know. Uh, all right, all right. Come on. Sam and I piled into the police crate and headed downtown. I didn't put up much of an argument about being herded back to my cafe because it suddenly dawned on me that doing just that might have been the smart thing to do from the first... Nick must have known about my coming over to LeBouc's to talk about teaming up, and he'd probably make an effort to contact me. The tambourine would be the first place he'd try. Sam and his boys dropped me off in front of the cafe, and I went in. I pushed through the crowd to the back and opened the office door. Hello, Jordan. We've been waiting for you. Come on in. Close the door. The Gabardine boys, Leo and Maxie, were standing in the center of the room. Leaning against my desk with a cigar stuck in the corner of his fat face was a short, heavy-set guy. He had a thick mop of black, curly hair, eyes that hit you like a hot iron. 
In his hand was a fingernail file. When I walked in, he went back to work with it on his short, pudgy fingers. Then, without looking up... Hello, Jordan. What are you doing here, Succamelli? Oh, you recognize me. Report from Dr. Sinsky. You'll read it, you'll see. That Mr. Ray Cordell, he's a true champ at the andiron. The way he went over Lou Martin with it. Bones, I never knew people had in him. You read it. It'll bear me out. Is there uh, anything else? Oh, yeah. Leg work. Routine rundown of Mr. Ray Cordell. Uh, what about him? Uh... Artist. Illustrates kids' books. One of the top men in the field, I was given to understand. You know why? No, I don't, Margaret. I didn't either till his publisher, Mr. Etlander, told me why. Ray Cordell, he said... Uh, give me a minute. I'll try to remember Mr. Etlander's exact words. Well, Margaret? Uh, Ray Cordell, he said, an innocent... A creature of faith in his fellow man. A man who looks at the world through the window of the eyes of a child. That's why. Well, thanks, Muggerman. That's, uh... Oh, one more thing, Danny. The publisher gave me the names of two people he works with most of the time who wrote the kids' books. Uh, Cordell illustrates them. Well? I call these two people. Bobby and Essie Goodhue. Brother and sister. Here's their address in the village. I told them you'd be around. Well, why? When you could have... Some people have got to be seen to be believed, Danny. From the way Essie Goodhue talked to me on the phone, I wouldn't want you to go through life without these two. Bye, Daddy. And the village now, in the chill sunlight of November, and the walkers through it, boy in red turtleneck sweater, and against it, blonde beard. Sandaled young lady at tug-of-war with her terrier who spotted a Pomeranian. Old man in khaki shorts and knapsack who never leaves the area. Second floor trumpet. Third floor piano. Scent of fresh bread from a bakery that features day-old loaves at half price. And the walkers from out of town. Walkers who gawk, who get taken, who write home how shrewd they've been, who buy leather pillows and autographed turtles and clever neckties. And right turn on 6th Street and red brick apartment house. And the muraled hallway of a Parisian scene with two-line poetry in praise of practically everything. And apartment you're looking for. Come in. Come right on in. And you did. Essie, look. Hi. I'm, uh... Annie Clover. From the police. You've been waited for. We waited. Early this morning, a man called and said you'd be here. Essie answered the phone. And here you are. I've been told the two of you write children's books. Small little stories. A is for the B is for the C is for the, you know. Or about the little girl who lost all her polka dots. And the puppy who chased the moon. Ray Cordell illustrates them, is that right? Yes. Yes. Tell me about him. He's a gentleman. Yes, he is. And he does things delicately. Yes, he does. Have you heard what's happened to him? No. Tell us. It was in the papers, in all the... We uh, don't read the papers. If we read the papers, we could not write stories for children. He beat a man to death. And what else? Essie. He just said that Ray beat a man to death. He's fooling us. Go on, Mr. Clover. He beat a man to death. He... And what else? He means it. Essie. Dan Baxter and Charles Bixford are the stars. Don't miss it tomorrow, Monday night at 6 on CBS. Now we return.
return you to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, my quiet friend. A character named Frank Succamelli moved to take over the Cairo night spots, gangster style. A couple of gin mill owners and I decided to get together. But just before we kept our date, one of them was murdered. The other, named Nick Spalvo, disappeared. I spent a lot of time looking for Spalvo without any luck. When I got back to the tambourine, Succamelli and his two boys were waiting for me and gave me a nice going over with a gun barrel. It was quite a bit later when I finally started to wake up. Rocky. Rocky. Oh, go away. Rocky, it's Nina. Nina, a great girl, fine dancer. Rocky, listen to me, please. Uh, Nina, one of the nicest... Wait a minute, what is this? Not Where... so loud, Rocky, they'll hear you. Nina. You were at the Blue Palm Cafe, Rocky. I saw them when they brought you in an hour ago. The Blue Palm? Yes, one of the upstairs rooms. Oh, yeah. Kind of comes back now. What happened to my playmates? Leon Maxi are out and back. They're loading up the owner's car. Where's Succamelli? Succamelli? The boss, the boss. Oh, oh, in his office. Rocky, I think the three of them are getting ready to leave. Not without me, they don't. Oh, no, Rocky, they'll kill you. You've got to get away. Not on your life. They have a score to settle with this crowd. Look, baby, it's a sense they're not going to take off without making another try to find out where Nick is. I think I can stall him off long enough. But why, Rocky? Why don't you leave when can you can? Can you get can? to a phone and fast? Yes. Then hop to it, Nina. Give Captain Sabaya a buzz at police headquarters and unload the glad tidings. And tell him to hurry up and get here. Nina eased out the door, and I heard her high heels clicking off down the hall. I made my way across the darkened room to the window and looked down into the parking lot below. A long, gleaming limousine was parked in the driveway. Walking away from it were Leo and Maxie. Maxie was wiping his hands. They passed under my window and went into the cafe. I waited a couple of minutes, then I heard footsteps in the hall. The key turned in the lock. Turn the light on, Maxie. Yeah, sure. Well, look at that, Maxie. Bright boy is up and around again. Yeah. How do you feel, Jordan? Just fine, boys. We go around again? You don't look so bad for a guy who's had a rough evening. I'm used to it. Well, the night isn't over yet. Come on, Succamelli wants to see you. And he doesn't like to be kept waiting. You two really jump through the hoop for that punk, don't you? I wouldn't say that, Jordan. You ought to see around like a couple of zombies. We're not worried. Not a bit. You do the dirty work and he rakes in the dough. What's the matter? You scared of the little bum? <laughs> and like Leo said, Jordan, we ain't worried. Not a bit, huh, Leo? Now, come on, let's go. Yeah, what's your hurry? Look, wise guy, do you want me to wrap this sap aside your head again? Well, if you... What's the matter? Ain't you ever seen a blackjack before? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, boys, let's not keep Mr. Succamelli waiting, huh? We walked down the hall to Succamelli's office. He was sitting there at his desk, smiling like a, a pitcher who had just struck out murderer's role. He had his hat and coat on, and in front of him, resting in the green blotter, was a briefcase. Ah, Jordan, I see you have recovered. It's a special favor to you, Succamelli. That's as far as I go. I've decided to forget about Nick. I'm afraid it's a little too late now to do anything about that. You're going to pull out, huh? Yeah. I've decided not to press my luck too far. We've made a neat little pile of dough anyway, haven't we, boys? Yeah, let's get out of here. We can dump Jordan on the road. Good idea, Leo. I'll take care of it. Now, uh, we can do it, Frank. Me and Leo take Jordan in our car, follow no, you. No, I'll take care of it, Maxie. After I've taken care of something else first. Uh, uh, what do you mean? 
This, Max. Frank, no! Oh, you dirty double cross. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's transcribed story, Herb Ellis was heard as Ray Cordell, Mary Jane Croft as Virginia Cordell, Gene Bates as Essie Goodhue, Jack Edwards as Bobby Goodhue, Howard McNear as Mr. Ramsey, and Eve McVeigh as Angela. Bill Anders speaking. Doctors estimate there are more than a million undiscovered diabetics in America who are living and working below par because of their ailment. This week, annually observed as Diabetes Week, a campaign is underway to locate undiscovered diabetics for their own present and future well-being. If yours is one of over 800 communities making diabetes tests available, take advantage of the occasion to test yourself and your family to be sure. Your news is always accurately reported when it comes from the CBS Radio Network. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat. Favorite trick, a bomb. You press the starter button and... Well, that's all, brother. How did you miss this? I was scheduled to go along, but Sukumeli changed his mind. I was hoping he would. You knew about the explosives? I had a hunch from the way Leo and Maxie were talking that they were up to something. And when I spotted grease on Maxie's hand, I figured he'd been messing around with his hobby. Too bad he didn't live to see this. He'd have been proud of the job. Rocky! Rocky! Oh, hiya, Nina. Oh, Rocky, are you all right? Yeah, sure, I'll make it. Although my face could stand a job of patching up. Well, I suggest you come with me to the emergency hospital and have... Oh, skip it, Sam. It's not that bad. Please, Rocky, you must have those bruises taken care of. Come on, I'll drive you home. Home? Who wants to go back to the tambourine? I didn't have that in mind, Rocky. Oh. Well, uh, see you later, Sam.
this is Captain Sabaya. Is Jordan still there? Uh, yes. Just a moment, Captain. Rocky. Rocky. Huh? It's for you, Captain Sabaya. Oh, thanks, Nina. Hello, Sam. Jordan, I thought you'd like to know uh, Nick Sparvo was waiting for us at headquarters when we got back. Mm-hmm. It was as you said, Jordan. Moran and Shields killed the boot. He saw them do it. Well? Jordan, did you hear what I said? Huh? Well, what was that, Sam? Aren't you listening to me? Oh, it's a beautiful night, Sam. With a lady's cool hand on my fevered brow. You'll have to admit it's a little uh, distracting. What was that again? <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing at all. <laughs> good night. Hmm? What was that? I said, good night. Oh, yeah. Good night, Sam. <laughs> CBS, again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with tonight's story by John Moore. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arant. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.